The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, the Department of Integration has privately warned that officials were seeing a growing reluctance from some local authorities to accommodate more Ukrainian refugees in their areas due to pressure on services. That's according to an internal briefing as reported in the Irish Times. There are four new accommodation centres, mostly refurbished office buildings, that are to be opened. Three of them are in Dublin and one in Clare. And you heard about the issue in Clare overnight. Well, I'm joined now by a Fine Gael County Councillor from Mayo, Peter Flynn, and by people before Profit TD for Dublin Southwest, Paul Murphy. Good morning and welcome to you both. Um, we'll go to you, uh, Peter, first of all. What is the feeling in Mayo County Council about more Ukrainian? refugees arriving? It's very mixed, Pat. Um, the, the problem we have right now in Mayo is that nobody really knows where this is going to, where it's all going to end and where is the strategy around the large influx of, of refugees into Mayo. And just to give a context, in 2011, we had 131,000 people in, in Mayo. In 2022, we have 137,000. So we've been an increase of 6,000 people over 10 years and we've We've struggled even with that in terms of critical services like housing and medical and education and all the rest of it. But in the last 12 months, we've had pretty much the same number of people coming into Mayo um, via, via the Ukrainian situation and also through the, um, the direct provision type uh, situation which has happened. And we're hearing nothing in terms of strategy. We're seeing nothing in terms of um, providing additional services to both the refugees and, uh, and equally to the people of Mayo. And that's why a number of us within the council have raised concerns about it. And we, we actually, a couple of us requested a special meeting a number of weeks back to say, look, can we pause this to reconsider where we are in terms of the numbers coming into our county and how we're going to deal okay. with this both so, now and in the future. So let's just talk numbers for a moment. What is the population of Mayo again? The the census for 2022 is 137,000 people. 137,000. 37, 137. And how many refugees do you have? We Official government numbers show in and around 5,000 officially coming through, but we estimate there's another 1,000 people approximately that have come in through various contexts, personally, okay. that people are living there. So you would say that if you look at the percentages, if you've got 140,000 or whatever, and you get between five and 6,000, uh, you've got 4% additional uh, population added to Mayo. Nationally, it's probably closer uh, to 2%. So do you feel that therefore you're getting more than your share? Without a shadow of a doubt, Pat, we are. And I mean, you saw that Deloitte uh, had a, a hotel investment briefing event there earlier this year. They actually called out Mayo specifically to say that Mayo would be down, uh, based on their numbers, 10 million last year on, on revenue from bed, bed hotel accommodation alone. That doesn't factor in the hostels, it doesn't factor in the guest house, B&Bs, and all the other bits and pieces that go to mm. the tourism industry. So it's a real concern. Um, we look at we we're very proud of what we've done in Mayo in terms of accommodating refugees, but we have to have regard for our economic situation in Mayo as well. We need to ensure Mayo survives as a tourism location as a destination for people to come to, and we need to ensure services go alongside the influx of additional. Now, clearly, hoteliers and others providing accommodation are uh, pleased to have guaranteed government contracts. Good weather, bad weather. Hail, rain, shine, summer, winter, autumn, they've got their accommodation filled and the state is picking up the tab. Yeah, and there's no question about it. I mean, I mean, the way I see this going, Pat, in the moment, we're kind of, it's like a flashback to the, the, the bad times of the building boom in Ireland where you now have 
what I would call faceless opportunists, opportunists who are looking at opportunities to buy up old, old cheaper hotels, hostels, guest houses and so forth, build them out and max them out with maximum number of refugees, have no regard for conditions in many cases where they, what they live in. And they are not thinking about the towns and villages that these hotels and, and other accommodations are in. They're simply thinking about profit. And instead of being a government-led strategy, this, in my view, is being led by speculators and sharks who are just looking to make a quick buck on this. Mm. Um, th- there are also other impacts, like we saw in Buncrana, that attack on the facility that was being referred by a former presidential candidate and entrepreneur Peter Casey, uh, an arson attack there, which is linked with uh, racism. But you're saying, what, you need a proper policy either locally or nationally uh, to distribute the continuing flow of refugees more fairly across the country. Is that your, a summary of your argument? That, that's exactly it, Pat. I mean, we had the situation a number of years back with the Syrian, um, the numbers of Syrians that came into the country. There was a multi-agency approach to dealing with the, the influx of people at that particular time. Right now, there seems to be none of that happening at either local or national level. And, and that is really a key concern for, for so many people mm. in our county right now. And, and, and the, the problem we have, Pat, is that we have so many extremes on the left and the right that are, they're pushing their views. And people in the middle, if you like, are afraid to raise their heads above the parapet and, and, on the basis that they'd be called uh, racist. And that really is not a, a good situation for any, any town or village at the moment. All right. Paul Murphy, People Before Profit TD, is listening to that. Paul, uh, what is your take? I mean, Mayo saying that they're actually proportionately taking more than their share and they're put to the pin of their collar in terms of resources. My take is that there was a housing crisis, a very severe housing crisis before the war in Ukraine. There was a very severe health crisis before the war in Ukraine. There was an education crisis before the war in Ukraine. And it suits Fine Gael politicians like the councillor you have on there to suggest that the problem is asylum seekers coming in as opposed to the problem being government policy, the failure to tackle the issue in terms of the 50,000 homes that have been vacant for six years or more, uh, the hoarding of wealth by those at the top of our society and all the policies that Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil uh, support. Um, there have to be the services put in place to uh, accommodate everybody. I mean, nobody should be homeless in this day and age, be they Irish, Ukrainian, Syrian, Afghani or whatever. And we have the resources to ensure that that's the case. So it's a, it's a government decision not to put those resources in place. And the victims are the 12,000 you know, existing homeless people um, and then the asylum seekers who are coming here who are fleeing absolutely horrific situations and now 500 of them as a consequence of government decision are on the streets given a 20 euro duns voucher and are subject to violence whipped up by you know elements of the of the far right that's completely unacceptable and that's a political choice that yeah. needs to be reversed but, but you know that expression which is constantly trotted out we are where we are like uh, it'd be great yes. to say so to the, whatever the, the responsibilities are in the past that you can't magic up houses you can't magic up uh, you know hotels that want to do their business with tourists rather than with uh, asylum seekers um and also you forget we have a war and a pandemic which kind of screwed up everything in terms of uh, the the building program that the the government uh, wanted to put in place. Yeah, but where where we are 
is a situation where there have been 50,000 homes sitting vacant for six years or more as part of a total of almost 150,000 homes. So right now they exist. That isn't some you know, dreamland. They're sitting vacant right now when we're in the middle of an immense so housing So what, what would you do? Because, you know, there are some people who have property and they want to hang on to it, but they can't afford to refurb it to the standards that would be required uh, to bring in refugees. Maybe they want to give it to, uh, to children, pass it on or whatever. But the, the idea of saying to people, you've saved up, you've got this property. OK, it's currently unoccupied. We'll have it. Thank you very much. Well, what we've proposed is use it or lose it legislation where people have to use their property within six months or pace or face very significant uh, taxes, which so, will so incentivize we, them. And then, you and know, then the principle, buy them the at, principle market, at market rate. You, 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 you buy a car and you can't use it because you're ill or whatever. Well, use it or we'll take it from you. Do you know, like, well, 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 where do you stop with that kind of approach? Use well, it, use your property, which you've worked hard for, or lose it. We, the state... We big brother will take it from you if you don't use it. So yeah, I, is that I think where you want to go with the, our society? I don't want to have people sleeping on the streets. I don't want to have people having their tents burned out. I don't want to have children growing up in hotels for years and the damage on their mental health. That's the other side of the equation here. And I think as a society, we should say it's not acceptable that private developers, for example, are sitting on land with planning permission for 80,000 properties and haven't developed them because they think they'll make more profit later on. And it's appropriate for us as a society to say, wait a minute, the immense housing crisis and the refugee crisis mean that we'll say, no, you have to use it or lose yeah. it. Similarly, yeah. but, but with that's different, that are Paul, empty. That's different to saying to someone who has a, a house somewhere or other that's not currently being used, we'll, we'll use it or lose it. It's different. Developers applied for planning permission under the, particularly the SHD uh, to build vast quantities of houses and apartments and then didn't build them. And, you know, I'd be the first to point out if you apply, you shouldn't even get permission, number one, if there's no water connection or power connection. The council shouldn't even give, shouldn't even think about giving permission. And secondly, once you get permission, you got to build it or you do lose it. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't okay. argue with you there at all. Yeah, but then... Then let's also extend that to the issue of vacant homes. I mean, is it acceptable as a society that we have, you know, 50,000 homes just sitting there with nobody using them? Um, if, if there was no ill in our society, if there weren't people living on the streets, okay, fair enough, there's no particular damage being done. But in, in this context, we have to weigh that up. And I think most people would say, but look, the ill of, of homelessness is much greater than the impact yeah. of someone who is sitting on a property wanting to now, flip it now, in the future some, or whatever some of those they properties to, and, will, you, and will buy it. Some of those properties are probably derelict. Some of them are definitely in probate. Uh, that would be for sure. Mm -hmm. Some of yep. them are affected by the fair deal. And yep. recently, um, one of the exponents of the fair deal was recommending to people not to let their homes under the, uh, the amelioration of the fair deal scheme because if tenants go in, um, they might never get the property back under the kind of, uh, you know, no eviction legislation that is contemplated by people like you? Look, people should have their homes protected. Um, and that includes people in, in fair deal schemes, right? 100%. Um, but that isn't 
really what we're talking about here in the majority of cases. Like you're right, if you look at the individual, you'll you'll find probate, you'll find banks involved, et cetera, et cetera. But that is not the majority of cases. We have homes just sitting vacant in this state. That's not all we have. We also have public buildings sitting empty in this state. We have half regenerated buildings off just off Pier Street. You have St. Andrew's uh, Court, which has been an empty building like uh, on uh, like set for regeneration for years and years and years and the work hasn't gone in to, to do it. So the, the it is a question of political will. It seems that there's been a slowness in various departments across the government in terms of actually using the public buildings that we have as an immediate emergency response to make sure that people aren't on the streets, that they have somewhere, you know, basic, you know, and then let's, let's get real in terms of what we're, we're talking about here. Like in City West, there's 800 people in accommodation made for 350 with 16 showers between them. This is not luxury accommodation okay. now, at all. Uh, one of my texters um, asks, is Paul suggesting that we're responsible to take all comers from the world over and have a moral obligation to house, feed and take care of them all? No, I, I'm, I'm saying, and I, I specifically talked about the 12,000 homeless people who are existing who are... Irish uh, who have been here I think we absolutely have a moral responsibility to them. Um, no I but think the question from the listener and it's echoed by a number of texters, do we take everybody in because when you look at the people who may but, arrive here from very remote parts of the world and you ask yourself well there's loads of places in between which are not dangerous, why do they come to Ireland? Some have a very logical thing we speak English, you speak English Therefore, we can, if we get uh, permission to reside, we can work and we can earn a living. But others do not. And uh, they make their way to Ireland. And you ask yourself, that, is it because of exactly the attitude that we have been generous? We do look after people as best we can. Now, that best is not great at the moment because of the war in Ukraine and all the rest of it. Uh, uh, an unprecedented influx of people who arrived here from, from uh, Ukraine. But that's the, the reputation we have and people will travel far and wide to get here. But, but that's not what's happening. I mean, you know that the vast majority of refugees in the world are in neighbouring low-income countries, 74%. There's over 100 million forcibly displaced people worldwide. The vast majority of those are in Asia and in Africa, are not in uh, Europe. You look around the Middle East, you look around Africa, everywhere you've got millions of refugees in extremely poor countries. So what I think we should do is on an international stage advocate for policies which doesn't forcibly displace people. I think we should be advocating for peace in Ukraine. I think we should be like implementing policies that actually attempt to halt the disaster of climate change which is becoming mm. uh, a key driving factor in terms of, of migration. I think that's what we need to do. But those who manage to come here who are fleeing like absolute horror let's be honest I think the wealth exists in this country to provide yeah. no, no, my question simply was that people. people have travelled vast distances at some risk to themselves with people smugglers and all the rest of it to get to Ireland mm-hmm. uh, a safe haven everyone will admit and a process that has been so long in processing people uh, that your children might be raised before you get processed in our asylum system um, you know are we doing something very right in being so generous or are we doing something that's foolish? Because if it put pressure on all our resources to house our own people and look after our own people uh, because we have people who might have found a welcome uh, in between their home country and reaching the farthermost point in, in Western Europe. Look, we're one of the richest countries in the world and there was people who had nothing 
who are living in tents had their tents burned down on, on Friday night. They are not the problem. They're not the reason that we don't have decent housing for people in this country, why we don't have a decent health service, why we don't have decent, uh, you know, properly invested in public services. The, the reason for all those problems is not the people at the bottom who have absolutely nothing. The reason is those at the top who are getting richer and richer. And I think it serves the interests yeah. of those at the top to have people divided amongst themselves. And but instead, Paul, I we're think throwing we money. We're throwing money at housing. We're throwing money at the, no, the health system. We're throwing system. money at private developers. They're the ones who are getting rich. The last program was a billion euros to private developers in various schemes. What we're not doing is having a state construction company to actually build homes. The, the, the people, the, you look at Cairn Homes. But should they, Denbe, they, they simply uh, employ builders? Do you know what I mean? They don't uh, take out the hod themselves and the civil servants running up and down ladders. That's not what happens. Or county councillors running up and down ladders. What you have is you got a council housing department in the back in the day and say, well, we'll get Crampton to build that uh, particular development we'll get uh, the equivalent of Karen Holmes to build that one we'll get uh, whoever I mean that's what they did they employed people to do the job for them they administered it but my point is that the big landlords and the developers are getting rich off the housing crisis. That's that's the reason why we have a housing crisis, because we have a government that pursues those interests. Both Glanvey and Cairn Homes, they both increased their revenue last year by almost 40%. Huge. But that's there's a huge transfer of wealth happening from ordinary people to those at the top through the mechanism of the housing crisis. And so the alternative is to stop throwing money at private developers and landlords and for the state to set up a state construction company. We know with massive surplus, about 10 billion euros, let's use that money okay. to have a state construction Okay, I'll go back to a councillor from Mayo, Peter Flynn, Finnegal County Councillor. Peter, what is your comment to Paul? Well, you know, Paul, you know, it comes in terms of the sound bites and the simplistic approach to solving all our problems, it, it's all marvellous and easy to do. But the reality of it is, Pat, is when you talk to anyone in the construction industry right now, they, they simply cannot uh, source people with the necessary skills um, in the country. There's a huge scarcity in terms of the, the critical skills that are required. The, the cost of employing these people because of the shortage is, is very significant. There's a problem with sourcing of materials going back to the COVID days. And, of course, the problem of actually inflation in terms of materials itself, meaning that people in the construction industry cannot price any further than a month out. Then you have the problem of financing within the country. Again, our banks go in and talk to them as any young couple of finding that they're really struggling to get um, mortgage approval, be it for renovation or for a new home or for whatever they're looking to do. So, I mean, it's a very complex issue. But what Paul hasn't addressed is that the fact is that in the last year, we've taken in over 60,000 people into Ireland. And, and we understand that and we, our hearts go out to them. But are we saying we continue to take that volume of people into Ireland year on year without any strategy? And really, my question to Paul is, what is the strategy around that? I mean, we clearly have our own internal issues within the country. I mean, he's rightly said that we have issues with education, yeah. our medical system, policing and so forth. But how... Can we move forward bringing in that volume of, of refugees? Okay, and, and that's when, when, finally when we have our own issues here. Finally, Paul, how do you do it? I mean, do you have no limits Wait, uh, on who comes in? Did I did I miss it? Or is he not a Fine Gael councillor? Yeah. 
Why doesn't he ask his government colleagues what the strategy is? No, but he's asking you for your alternative strategy. Do you keep taking people in, irrespective of what wars are where, uh, that Ireland always has this uh, international obligation to take in people who are seeking asylum, that uh, we have no limit on numbers ever? What I'm saying is we should use the fact that we're one of the wealthiest countries in the world to provide decent services, homes for people in this country. And that's that's entirely possible. He he, and it suits Fine Gael to say, oh, that's just an easy soundbite, etc. Why? Because it goes after those who are actually in power, who have the wealth, who are doing well from the crises that we have. They're profiting from the health crisis. They're profiting from uh, the housing crisis. That's that's the socialist alternative. And then on an international level, of course, to advocate for policies that stop people being forced to flee from their countries. OK, so what do you do? Do you just roll over? Do you roll over to Putin then? Stop the war. Roll we should over stop the war. Absolutely, we should stop the war. Putin should leave uh, Ukraine. Um, it should be up to the people of Ukraine themselves to determine their, their fate. But Ireland should not be participating in the drive of militarization, which Fine Gael is supporting, sending troops abroad to train uh, Ukrainian mm. soldiers, participating in NATO alliances. I presume so. You want, you want effectively you things. want re- Ukraine to roll over. You say let them determine their, no. their future. They are. They're fighting. That's what they're doing. That's why that is their determination of their future, however it'll turn out. Look, we, we're straying off uh, topic, so we leave it there. Paul Murphy, People Before Profit uh, TD for Dublin Southwest, and Peter Flynn, Finnegal County Councillor for Mayo. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.